Jesse Goss here, and I'm just dropping in to say if you're wanting to help my ministry to leave a review and rate my podcast on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And this just tells the algorithm that you like what I have to say and it pushes it up so more people hear it and hear what I have to say. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate your prayers. And now for today's installment. Hi, Sai, and welcome to the My Burning Heart podcast. I am Jesse Goss, your host, and today we are discussing the calling of a believer, as well as some other things. I hope this doesn't seem like just a huge word salad. (laughs) And I pray this encourages you. Recently, I was consecutively through a few days faced in my own daily relationships with discussions on miracles, going on vacation in heaven, etc., those types of things. And I've been having discussions with loved ones on churches who pray in tongues, hiss like snakes, and others who have seen people convulsing on the floor. You can see this from Heidi Baker, for example, Uh, this teen writhing in pain, screaming his head off like he's on fire on the floor talking about those types of things that go on at churches. And when I was with the Truthfully Awkward podcast, we discussed this, but I think I need to address it again. I believe the root of the problem is the call of the Christian, knowing the word and going to the word to test every spirit. I think this is a huge problem in the church. We aren't going to the word to test everything anymore. It's just they said it, so I guess I'll believe it. Some of these ideas seem mystical, attractive, interesting, but should Christians be decreeing and declaring? Should Christians be hissing like snakes in their so-called, air quotes, prayer language? What about discernment? Where did discernment go? So let's dive right in. I might go off of my notes a couple of times just because after... I prepared, I just, as I'm sitting here praying before, there might be more things that I bring up since I had finished my notes and I'm like, oh, I hope I stay on topic. So I will do my best. But I have a story about speaking in tongues that I have shared before, but if you have not heard it, I'm going to share it again today. Back in 2017, 2018, probably mostly 2018, I followed Todd White like white on rice. I listened to every single word. My dear friend and I were doing a Priscilla Shire Bible study. I remember watching a video, more than one, with Todd White and his fire tunnels and remember wondering why I wasn't having the same experiences as him. I wanted to love the Lord like him. I wanted to speak in tongues. I wanted to be slain in the spirit. I wanted to be baptized baptized by fire, which if you don't know in the Bible, being baptized by fire is judgment, but that's not what they teach. I just wanted all of the experiences. I remember one night after my friend Leah and I had been talking about healing people and particularly talking about speaking in tongues My husband was deployed, the kids were in bed, and I was just walking around in my house late at night praying. I've been praying for my prayer language. I was praying for God to work through me. I was asking specifically to speak in tongues. I was very emotional in my prayer because it seemed like everyone I was watching who I thought were solid loved the Lord and they were very emotional and I thought that was 
how I should be praying. And they all had enough faith and they were speaking in tongues. So I was kind of crying out to God, you know, Lord, I have faith and, you know, emotional, just crying out to God. And to segue just a little bit to give you some context, I have always known since I was young, right from wrong with things that were spiritual. I always could sense when something was demonic. I always kind of knew when things were off. I don't know why. That's something that I do want to go into. I I attribute it to knowing the Bible, but also just being able to discern between right and wrong, probably from biblical foundations since I was a kid. I don't know. It's just always been a thing that I have been able to tell. And I would get that feeling in my spirit to stay away. The Holy Spirit warning me, hey, that's bad. Stay away from that. Or just send something off from teachings or sense something on someone that was off. Although I was swooped into the NAR, um, it was short-lived though at best. And NAR is New Apostolic Reformation, which is like Bethel and Jesus culture and all that. Hillsong, Elevation, that whole thing. So there's always this feeling I physically get when this happens, the, you know, like the sleep paralysis or the demonic attacks. Um, I'm not glorifying the things that are evil. I am not afraid of them at all, and you shouldn't be either. But the spiritual stuff so, so many are messing with is 100% real. These are reasons the Bible warns us about these things, and we're going to get to this later, but there's a feeling in my spirit that I would get and still do to this day. And when I say in my spirit, it's just the Holy Spirit. It's that feeling like stay away. So that night when I was praying, go back to my story, I was praying, opening my mind, thinking I was grasping for all the faith I possibly could. I got that feeling. I got the feeling of alarms going off spiritually all at the same time. I felt like I was about to lose control of my body and what I was saying, and it was not a pleasant feeling at all. It was not wonderful and peaceful. It was a chaotic, evil, and creepy feeling, like when you wake up in sleep paralysis and can't speak, and something was working its way up from my throat, but I couldn't speak. It's like when you wake up in you know sleep paralysis. I know a lot of people have this. I always knew when I was a kid that it was not sleep paralysis because I could never say Jesus's name. And it kind of felt like the same thing. And something was working its way up my throat. And while I was feeling like I had sleep paralysis, while I was not only standing in my kitchen, but I was wide awake. And I'm like, why is this happening right here? And I freaked out and I called my best friend at 11 p.m. It was like so late. And I told her what happened. I remember never praying to speak in tongues again. I, I don't pray like, Lord, give it to me, but I pray differently now to where it's, you know, Lord, use me the way that you're going to use me. It's not, I want to speak in tongues, give it to me like I was praying, demanding and declaring and, you know, in the name of Jesus, I command you, <laughs> like that kind of thing, like I would, you, you know, used to do. And I remember wondering why that happened when so many others look so happy. Why did it affect me physically like that? Why did I sense an evil presence when it happened? You know, it was not God. It was not the common peace I know about the presence of God that humbles me to my knees in prayer, you know, order and reverence and just the love of God. It was something dark and honestly just plain spooky. It was not 
of God. So what is speaking in tongues in the word of God? What is it really? Because we see tongues enter the scene in Acts 2, 1 through 4. And it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And if you read on, it says in Acts 2.11, it says, Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So in Greek, the t- um, tongues is translated to languages. So speaking in tongues is a person speaking in a tongue they do not know or did not know previously. And it's bringing glory to God. It's it's showing of everything God has done. It's the gospel, like being able to share the awesomeness of God in the gospel in a language you do not know. So it is useless if you speak in another language that will not give any word of instruction or if anyone there doesn't understand what is being said. Like what good does that do? What good is it, you know? The interpreter was someone who can interpret the language that was being spoken and not formally know the language as well. So even the interpreters didn't formally speak the languages, but they were actual languages. And the way that tongues was, it was to share the gospel, to further the gospel. It wasn't just a bunch of gibberish. It was actual languages. And it's known languages. Like if it wasn't a known language, you know, because if you look in Acts, they thought they were all drunk, but then they started hearing that they were speaking the awesomeness of God or the mighty works of God in their own home language. And they were like, are these not, you know, the Galileans? So I'm pretty sure it was Galilean. You might want to check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what they said. <laughs> Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 19, nevertheless in, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue or language. So what we see in the church today is a chaotic, loud mess with people babbling on and on, hissing like snakes, barking like dogs. You know, you see Heidi Baker going shaka baba or whatever it is that she says. Um, If tongues are still around today, I am not saying they aren't because God can do whatever he wants. But it would align it. If we did see that, it would align with scripture. God is a God of order and peace. The chaos we see in the churches today usually does not represent that, which is why I'm speaking about it. You know, Paul instructs those to speak in order in church in order to edify the church. Much of what we see is a jumbled, chaotic, loud mess. If an unbeliever does not understand what is being said in his or her own tongue, how is it edifying the church and bringing God the glory? And 1 Corinthians 14, 39 to 40 says, So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So if you are in a, you know, a NAR or hypercharismatic prayer circle, you're going to be hearing a lot of hollering and, you know, hooting and hollering and saying it's their prayer language or whatever. But It's really loud and it's disorderly and it's distracting and it takes all the focus off of God and puts the focus back on the believer instead of on giving God the glory and furthering the gospel and deepening our relationship with God in a way of like 
you know, reverence and, you know, he's holy. So God can do whatever he wants. I'm not saying that no one can ever really speak in tongues. I have heard stories, you know, of individuals ministering to someone who spoke a different language and they spoke in their language. They didn't know them before, but they happened to be standing next to them and they started speaking in their language. So sure, it can still happen, but again, it has to align with scripture, which leads to my next point, discernment. <laughs> um, discernment to me is like an exercise. You have to constantly be in the word to grow your discernment muscles. That's what discernment, that's how I practice discernment. You have to practice something to be good at it. And if you're not in God's word, you can easily be deceived. Um, First John 4, 1 to 6 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. And 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And that is one I go to all the time. Because all of these things really get into our emotions and we're like, yeah, and we get all pumped up and we're in our feelings, right? And it looks good and it sounds good. Some people are really good. They sound close enough, but it's still false. And, you know, the Bible says that you put 11... You put leaven in a bread. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> you put a little leaven in bread and it ruins the whole lump. So you can't say, well, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because, I mean, I believe that there's some things that, yeah, that's okay what you said. But what should you follow that person anymore? When if you listen to people too much, I mean, you're going to start adopting what they believe in their theology. And then you, next thing you know, you're reading the Bible through their filter and it's false. It's not good. So another scripture that is alarming in this current movement we are seeing in the hypercharismatic circles is Matthew 24, 24. And it says, for, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So just to talk about that for false prophets, just briefly, if a prophet, in air quotes, air quotes prophet, says that they are speaking the words of God and it doesn't come to pass that makes them a false prophet. Doesn't mean, oh, they just got it wrong. No, they're a false prophet. They're not hearing from God and that's a serious offense in God's word that you should not even listen to them anymore. The Bible is very serious. Back in the old times, they used to stone false prophets. I mean, we don't do that anymore, obviously, but it was that serious to say you're saying the words that are from God and they're not. And I'm not saying that these people also aren't deceived and believe that they're hearing from God, but if it's not true and it doesn't come to pass, it is not God. It is something else. So if they're thinking they're hearing from God and they're not, it is other. It is a, it's another spirit and it's not from God, if you know what I mean. So one thing 
um, I also hear often about this is, you know, I've been a Christian for a very long time. I am good and have discernment. Y'all, I just feel like we don't have enough discernment. I don't even have enough discernment. I feel like <laughs> it's not like you're saved for a certain amount of time and then I'm good. Like, that's not how it works. Like all over the Bible is scripture warning believers to watch out for false prophets and false Christ. No one is past, nobody is like past deception and their walk. Like if you were, if we are not deeply rooted in God's word, some teachers, like I said, sound close enough, but sometimes they are teaching things absolutely not biblical and that's dangerous. We need to take this stuff seriously. It's not like, oh, whatever, la-di-da. Just think of how long, if we water down the gospel for long enough, like what's left of it, you know? And I know several churches who deny the deity of Christ, you know, and lift themselves up on a pedestal, which reminds me of the scripture that we just, in Matthew 24, 24, you know, I've heard pastors that I know a lot of people follow, like Bethel, and even Elevation, like all of them, they deny the deity of Christ and they try and talk circles around it, but man, they will, oh, that's not what I meant. But then they teach it over and over and over again in all their sermons and, you know, talking out two sides of their mouth, like my friend Leah says, they say one thing, they do another. They have these books they write that are completely opposite of what they say. And it's, you just got to watch out, y'all. And I'm saying this out of the love of my heart. And, you know, like Elevation Church, Stephen Furtick says, I am God, you know, but then we have Kenneth Copeland and all these prosperity teachers that teach the little God's doctrine that because Jesus did, therefore, you know, we can, therefore we are God, you know, that's how their theology goes. And they're really injuring people with this. And Bill Johnson of Bethel Redding speaks of Jesus not doing his miracles of God, but as a believer in right standing with God. So fill in the blanks and see all the things they do in their ministries. And you can see that they deny the deity of Christ, even though you don't have to fill in the blanks when he openly says it over and over again. <laughs> and they just recently came out with this podcast trying to counter that. It's like, then why do you preach it every Sunday, dude? Like, if you didn't believe that, why do you keep saying it over and over? It's like they're trying to clean up the mess they made. So what did that scripture say? It said any prophecy that denies that Jesus is the son of God. Okay, so denying his deity, right? So that he was both fully God and fully man. So Jesus was there at the creation of the world. It was made through him and for him. It's John 1, 1. He is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. He is the king of kings, and he was there at the very foundations of the world. We are not Jesus. We should love like Jesus, speak truth like Jesus in love, Ephesians 4.15. But, and I'm just giving you references here. And, you know, call out sin like Jesus. But we, we will never be perfect like him. That is the whole reason we need Christ to begin with. He is perfect because he is God. And that's in 1 Peter 2.22, 1 John 3.5, Matthew 5.48. And there's many, many more, but those are just a few of them. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if I can do one thing here, I can confirm that yes, brothers and sisters, we are sinners in need of a savior. Some of the leaders of the NAR movement, the New Apostolic Reformation movement, such as Todd White, 
who I talk about all the time because that's, I just listened to his sermons and like from the moment I woke up, from the moment I went to sleep, I had it on. And he says that he has no sin, which is one of the things that started uh, perking my ears up a little bit because Todd White teaches like, it's in the Bible, read your Bible. So I started reading my Bible and then I started noticing things he was saying weren't lining up. And this is one of the first things that I saw. So I quote, this is from Todd White, and I'm going to put the video in the back in the references for you. Todd White, you know, he says, I quote, he came and gave me this blank canvas. He came and gave me this pure heart and I have never violated it with anything. You can actually have the word so strongly inside of your heart that you never have to slip. People say that's wrong and that's not true, but I live with me. I am not sharing something that I don't live. The Bible doesn't say when you slip. It says if you do. And I'm like, say what? So let's go to the Apostle Paul. <laughs> he says in Romans 7, 14 to 25, and also real quick, not to mention 1 John 1, 8 again, says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if Todd White continues to speak like this, the truth is not in him and we should not listen to him. Romans 7, 14 to 25 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin who dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will ever deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God, with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And that's Romans 7, 14 to 25. That was a tongue twister. <laughs> we cannot say we have no sin because we feel like we have not been sinning. That is just one of the things that that's just ridiculous. So if Apostle Paul, you know, Paul of the Bible is saying, you know, he suffered much, like so much. If he's saying that, like, he's talking about him struggling with his own sin, not wanting to sin, and then Todd White's like, well, I'm just so great that I've never sinned before. So I guess he's just better than the Apostle Paul. And yikes. So Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And I'll tell you what, God can understand our hearts and he knows our hearts. But we can't base all of our stuff, our whole lives saying like, oh, I'm perfect and I don't sin. When the Bible says right here, 
that the heart is deceitful. We can't lean on our own understanding. Proverbs 12:15 says, "The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice." So I'm going to post that video of Todd White. It's from the Messed Up Church. Todd says this in almost every single video on YouTube. I mean, I have listened to all of them. Uh, But the Messed Up Church, which is a ministry that I recommend listening to, they have like a condensed version of (laughs) every sermon, which is like all of them, that he talks about how he is without sin. If you can see how much of a burden this puts on people, you can watch it and be like, yeah, okay, that's nice. But there's so many people, including me briefly, who believed I did not have enough faith and I was a wretched piece of garbage, (laughs) unlike Todd White. You know, he's so great. He's so good. How do I be like him instead of focusing and be like, how can I be more like Christ? How can I get closer to Christ? Not how can I live like Todd White? How can I get closer to Christ? I was, my whole focus was wrong. So again, I always talk about him because I listen to mostly him, but you can find this similar type of theology with Elevation Church, Bethel Hillsong, Kenneth Copeland, Heidi Baker, Chris Fallaton, all those people, um, Benny Hinn, all of them. There's tons of people I'm missing out on, but I'm just saying this teaching is wrong and it hurts people. Bad theology hurts people and we cannot promote these people to especially new believers who are trying to find their foundation and it's just so sad Because I can't believe, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life and I can't believe I fell for it, but I did. And you are never a Christian long enough to be, to not be open to deception. And if you are going to listen to these people, always listen with your Bible open. Try not to think like the teacher you are listening to. Because like I said, you are who you listen to. If you listen to these people all the time, you're going to start seeing the Bible through their eyes. And that goes for anyone. So it's so hard to get out of their bias and think critically if you're trying to prove me wrong or anyone who speaks out against these people. It's like, well, prove me wrong then. And I want you to show me where what they're saying is biblical. Open your Bible, make it in context, you know, context, context, context. And we need to be able to be corrected. Myself, like I said, absolutely included. And it's how we grow. Just because you have been a Christian, even your entire life like me, It doesn't matter. We all fail and we all fall for deceptions if we are not solidly in the word, reading the word in the context of which it's supposed to be read and understood. Bible study is just so important. And I just, I have to watch for the bias as well, because to me though, after coming out of that, I can spot it from a mile away. And the people who laugh it off and shrug it off, it bugs me so bad because my faith was shipwrecked because of these people and their teachings. And yeah, it is my fault. I've repented and it is my fault, but I really wish that I had somebody who was like, hey, you know, you shouldn't be listening to them and showed me why. But instead people, nobody said anything, but it's probably because they didn't know either. And that's why I'm here because I don't want you to be spiritually shipwrecked one day, even if you think you're all good right now, but you're listening to Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn and all these crazy people. And then, you know, one day you get convicted and your whole faith is just like, what? And so I'm hoping to save you trouble, hopefully, through the grace of God. <laughs> I just, I pray about that all the time. Also going back 
to speaking in tongues, like another aspect of like all these topics, you know, we're talking about like the gift of tongues. It's never taught. The gifts of God cannot be taught. It's like you can't buy salvation and you can't command or learn something to like enforce God's will to be what you want your gift to be. Um, God gives freely and he gives according to his will and as he pleases. And you cannot teach prophecy to someone who is not called to that. You can't teach tongues. And it really makes me think of these folks that are not speaking God's words because their prophecies are always wrong. Like I was talking about and their tongues are unintelligible. They're not even other languages. You know, where is that spirit coming from? What is that? And we need to ask that question. Everything, the supernatural stuff is real. Should we be afraid of demons and no, we don't have to be, but we need to be discerning and understand that God is not some needy, feeble, wimpy nerd God. We (laughs) just, oh my gosh, I think I've just listened to too many false teachers today, but God is mighty and he is holy and he is righteous and he is just and he is loving and he is perfect in all things. Like he is just perfect. And I care more and you should too, Christian, care more about what God says about something and not what someone else says about something. And I'm telling you, it's going to save you so much time filtering through all the junk. So, you know, if whenever you're listening to the tongues or whatever, is there other languages being spoken? Was there somebody there and they're speaking another language and they understood it? Or is it a bunch of creepy noises and hissing with gibberish, which I just have to interject to like hissing like snakes and how much would, you know, the devil enjoy mocking Christians by making them hiss like snakes or bark like dogs and dehumanizing them and making them look foolish. And that is not how Christ should be represented. That is like, um, mystical mumbo jumbo weird stuff. That's like what people like Hindus do and the Kundalini and all that stuff do. That is what they do. How awesome would that be for Satan? You know, I'm going to mock these Christians over here and make them look like a bunch of crazy Hindus. Demonic. So how much glory would, does that bring to God when you're doing that? And how does that a witness to other people? Just think about what you're doing. And I understand this episode... <laughs> may ruffle tail feathers. You know, people may be upset because we get so comfortable with what we know and who we like to listen to, who makes us feel good, who puffs us up, who makes us feel, you know, it's exciting and emotional and ooh, feelings and happies. You know, nobody wants the sads. So, you know, we it's like that experiential feeling, like I want the experience, I want the experience of something touching me, but we tend to just not care where it's coming from because we have out of out of context bible verses that apparently these people are considered shepherds are feeding to their flock and it's just poison man um did you know that even if you don't feel the happies all the time it doesn't mean god loves you less it's not because you don't have enough faith it's not because you didn't do all the steps and read all the books and try all the things and follow all the right people. We are called to come to Jesus as we are. Only through the work of the Holy Spirit we are changed. Only through salvation in Christ alone. Movements like NAR are very legalistic. Same as the word of faith, etc. 
All these movements base proof of salvation on works, not on the fruits by the works of the Holy Spirit. Also, it's just so extremely works-based that they base their salvation, like if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, which is also judgment in the Bible, the only time it talks about baptizing with fire, it's the judgment of God. It is not something that happens <laughs> when that happens besides when in Book of Acts it was like a flame, but it doesn't talk about burning fire is something that is supposed to happen. But we are called to share the gospel with the world. Only God can give you the calling on a ministry, but not all of us are called to do so. Like one way I know for sure is that we can have our eyes wide open for areas we can serve, like in our church community, at work, like God will show us and grow us. So stay solid in the word, go from milk to solid food spiritually. And again, you will grow into where God has called you. For me, for a long time and still today, my biggest ministry is my kids. And that is what I am pouring all my energy into is being with my kids in the outer circle. I love this podcast because it gives me a chance to speak to a larger audience and just things like that. Like there's so many things that you could do. It doesn't have to be mystical. And yeah, anyway, I'm just going to stop with that. <laughs> but Second Peter 1.10 says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling an election for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So there's so many distractions with ministry, especially with all these churches and social media, but we can minister to our families and our little friendship bubble at work or school. The gospel is so simple. We need to focus on that. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Only through Christ are we seen as righteous. There is nothing we can do. That's why it's the gift of grace. Nothing you can do. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 goes, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And then Titus 3, 5 through 7 says, Because if you confess with your mouth, oh wait, this is Romans 10, 9, I'm sorry. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Boom, simple gospel. Titus 3, 5, 7 says, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So, wow. I just love that because that is absolute opposite. Like what the Bible says is opposite of what they're teaching. It's like there's this feeling and pull to have proof that you're saved. You know, like if you don't speak in tongues, you're not really saved. Well, you're not very spiritual. And you don't have enough faith because you're not having these mystical, supernatural experiences. And that's not Christ, man. That's just not what he taught. And that's not what the Bible teaches us. It teaches us that you know, it's a gift. It's by his mercy. And it's simple, but it has such a cinder block on people. When we add all this extra stuff you got to do to be proved to people you're saved. And all that really matters is your relationship with the Lord. And are you in the word? And just keep it simple. And I pray you all have been blessed 
and encourage listening to this episode. There is so much to wade through in today's culture with social media, like I said, and just being flooded daily with different opinions. And I pray above all, you take God's word and write it on your heart to where any false doctrine will set alarms off in your heart. Exercise discernment and understand that all men and women have sin. Not one is perfect, not one, including me. So test everything with the word of God, including me. There is so much joy in the simplicity of scripture and how everything we want to know can be found in its pages. The same things happening now have always been because of sin in the world. And I pray you know Christ and seek him with everything you have. Again, be in the word. Love, I love y'all. I have all the references in my bibliography. I love you guys. May God bless you.